like I was saying, you boys need to come out and leave it all out on the field tomorrow. We got to coach. When, when coach says uh, leave it all on the field, he is not talking about your chewing gum. Last year after tryouts, there was chewing gum all over that field. All over the field. I'm not lying, coach. I bet there are 17 pieces of chewing gum out there. I'm talking about grape, cinnamon, spearmint, uh, probably about nine different kinds of bubble gum. And one of you boys must have been chewing three different kinds at one time, some sort of chewing gum suicide, because I saw us uh, in strawberry and grape and cinnamon all wadded up together. I guarantee you that's not going to happen this year. No, no, sir. Fellas, I am a baseball coach. I am not a chewing gum picker-up. No, sir. Neither is Coach Peller. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. Did you see my new artwork? Were you wondering who did it? Well, the guy who did it is my guest for this episode, Mr. Joe Humphrey. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm pretty good. I wish I would have had a better movie for you, but it's not <laughs> up to me. Or at least something cooler, because you seem like a pretty cool guy. This oh, is not a you. cool movie by any means. This is... It's not a Christian movie, which I'll, looking at the poster and the name, I was like, oh, here we go. Another Christian movie. It kind of had the flavor of a Christian movie, though. But the only real, there's a scene of somebody kind of silently praying for a second, but that's Mm -hmm. it. There's no other sort of Christian things to it. It's a family film for sure. It is a film to watch with your grandma. (laughs) And when it's over, she'll go, oh, that was cute. And she'll secretly think that you're an idiot for putting it on. (laughs) Maybe. This episode's movie is Marshall's Miracle, or as it's known in Canada, where you are, Marshall the Mm -hmm. Miracle Dog, from 2015. A true story, apparently, which they don't say at the beginning, but you find out at the end. Mm -hmm. It's a a true-to-life tale based on real people. Yeah, with a series of kind of disturbing photographs. (laughs) Some of them, yeah. (laughs) There's definitely some, some... Themes and things in this movie that they're trying to get across, some of which I think they get across, some I think that they don't necessarily, um, mm-hmm. and we'll get into all that. The The star of this movie is Shannon Elizabeth, who indeed is always a charming screen presence, but has, sure. a, has a career that worries me, and by that I mean I have this terrible feeling, and maybe there's interviews with her and stuff I haven't read that would say different. But my fear, knowing Hollywood to be the place that it is, is that she was the hot new thing who was naked in American Pie. And then the second she said, I'm not doing that anymore, her career went Mm. away. You know what I mean? Or something like, yeah. Just that she was kind of pigeonholed as this one thing. Mm. And they would kind of wouldn't let her break out of of it. Because she's not like, I mean, she's never going to win any Oscar. She's not like a tremendous actress, but she's... Very, very charming. I always like her when I see her in things. She's yeah. great in when she pops up in those Jay and Silent Bob movies. Like, sure, so, yeah. I don't know. I wish I wish she would have... Because she did like 13 Ghosts and a couple other kind of... What, Cursed, is it? A couple other little horror movies. And then she's been doing stuff like this since then. Ladies' little dopey family movies, you know? Which, hey, yeah. God, God bless you. Get a paycheck. But I just, you know, I wish we saw her in kind of bigger things still. I feel like that's kind of where a lot of people in the industry land who are in her position. They're the kind of flash in the pan sort of actors land in these like lifetime style movies, you know, like, you know, your uh, John Stamos to a degree, although he's a little bit more successful, but like, uh, 
I don't know, just sort of your, like you said, people that aren't necessarily super acting virtuosos, but, uh, you know, are charming enough and entertaining to watch, but just don't have the, the, the explosive personality to be huge. Yeah, it's it's probably a number of factors. I just I just wish we saw her more often because I like her a lot. Yeah. Speaking of people I haven't seen in a while, and maybe it's, it sounds like you've seen her in some things that I haven't. The other big actress in this movie, who was I did not realize it was even her because I must have looked away or something the first time I watched and when the opening credits were playing. It wasn't until I looked on IMDb that I saw that Lauren Holly is in this movie, who I know from mm-hmm. Dumb and Dumber, but she is to me anyway because I haven't seen her in things in so long, unrecognizable. I had no idea it was her. And I don't mean that in a nasty, like, ooh, what happened to her? Like, no, she's still a lovely woman, but I don't know if it's aging or if she had worked out or what, but she just looks like a completely different person to me. And I did not realize it was her at all. Well, the last thing I saw her in was The Black Coat's Daughter. And uh, that she played a mom in that. So she was a little bit, I mean, she's a mom in this, but she's much more of a, of a, of a matronly mom in the Black Coast Daughter. And uh, she seemed appropriate to her age. And whereas in this, she's got kind of a, like pigtails and looks kind of like she's trying to look younger than she is, which is fine, you know, not knocking that. But uh, yeah, Black Coast Daughter, she was actually really good and entertaining in that. Yeah, I haven't got around to that one yet. I will have to get on that. She's definitely dressed down in this one because she's playing a very redneck kind mm-hmm. of, some people would say, I don't know if I would say white trash, but some people would say that, you know what I mean? <laughs> And I would be one of those people, yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, let's get into it. Uh, Shannon Elizabeth plays Cynthia Lawson. Her and her young son, Finn, have just moved from Boston to mm-hmm. Bumfuck, Illinois. He, Are they in St. Louis? They talk about St. Louis, but they... Hmm. Well, at least it was... Sorry, I didn't mean to... It's filmed, no. Contradict you. You can jump in anytime you want. It was definitely filmed in Illinois for sure. Maybe it's okay. pretending to be St. Louis. I don't know why you wouldn't just shoot it in St. Louis. I don't know. You might be right. <laughs> I, I, th- I think it's I think they're in a suburb of St. Louis because I remember thinking at one point that that's where John Hamm's from, and that was like my touchstone for St. Louis. <laughs> sure, John Hamm and Nelly. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I was like, where is this supposed to be? And I looked. I just looked up where they film, and it said Illinois. But mm. the point is, they don't live in Boston anymore. Is really the important thing. Where yes. that, back in Boston, Finn was kind of coming up on the baseball team, and and known for being good she was kind of a bigwig chef that was in like some of the top restaurants and stuff Mm -hmm. but they have moved here dad's not in the picture i assume for a movie like this usually it's a dead dad situation but we're coming to find out no it's not that he's just a deadbeat he's remarried and doesn't call his kid or anything (laughs) like he's not Mm -hmm. just not a good dude and they're probably better off without him so there's a lot. The first 15 to 20 minutes of this movie is very hung up on these baseball tryouts, mm-hmm. which is fine, except that it after that, they kind of don't get mentioned again. <laughs> they have no payoff whatsoever. <laughs> and we're spending a lot of real estate in a 90 minute movie on these baseball tryouts that I, I guess it's the inciting incident for the bullying that's about to happen. But mm-hmm. I, there's 30 other ways you could have introduced the bully into the picture without spending so much time on this baseball stuff that doesn't matter at all really no um one thing that bothered me a little bit about the baseball stuff is he wears a boston hat but it's not the actual boston red sox logo 
it's just like a generic B. Oh, they couldn't and afford that. that. Got him, yeah, they, they, that got on my nerves so much. It was just like, okay, well, I guess that's not in the budget to rep the actual Red Sox. But Finn is going to start being bullied uh, by a jealous. There's a kid who was kind of like, he was the hot shot on the team, who was for sure going to make the tryouts. And here's this new kid from Boston rolls in, and he's better than Luke is the bully's name, Luke mm-hmm. Weaver. So out of sort of jealousy and just everybody pile on the new kid, Luke is going is takes to bullying Finn. What is this? So there's this white assistant coach character. What is the story yes. with this guy? He I hates mean, gum. He is obsessed. Well, first off, the main coach is a black guy. And then there's this white assistant yes. coach who keeps interrupting him every time he talks to yell at kids about bubble mm-hmm. gum. And it's not great. It's not cool. It's a little problematic. It's a little bit like, uh, oh, this feels a little racist. <laughs> and it's played for laughs. Like, this is kind of like the comic relief of the movie. Except, again, mm. there's no payoff. Past this first 10 minutes, you will never see this man again. No one steps in chewing gum mm-hmm. at a critical moment at the end of the movie and you learn he was right. And it's funny. He just goes on a rant about how much he hates putting <laughs> chewing gum on the ground. It's almost amazing how because like later in the movie is when we need comic relief because it gets kind of you know emotionally serious later on we could have used a little more i don't want more of this guy in the movie but if you're gonna (laughs) you know sprinkle him liberally throughout instead of a bunch of him in this first little section and then we never see him again he does not matter at all it's not funny. It's supposed to be funny. Grandma probably finds it funny because <laughs> she relates to the, <laughs> her, the, the his bubblegum issues. But it's just odd. It's a very odd way to start the movie that's going to become not this at all. Yeah, I, felt. I didn't, didn't care for it. So Lauren Holly plays, like I said, kind of a redneck woman who is a dog hoarder. And uh-huh. straight up just dog naps. Like, she'll be driving down the street. She'll see a dog in somebody's yard. And she's like, oh, no one's near that dog. It must be abandoned. And goes and just steals people's dogs and takes them home. Mm-hmm. And she has a pen with, what, 15, 20, 30 maybe dogs at her house. <laughs> she has this sort of browbeaten husband who doesn't like any of this. Tells her, you know, we can't afford this. You have to stop with these dogs. But she just steamrolls right over him. But he's clearly over it and had enough but doesn't have the fortitude to argue with her about it anymore i felt like it was kind of coded as almost like an abusive relationship but they they managed to sidestep that and it was like the setup for one but not actually showing that yeah there's saying that there's a couple times because spoiler alert luke weaver the bully naturally is their kid and there's a couple mm-hmm. times when he comes home and dad starts in on him. And I was like, oh, shit, are we about to watch this kid catch a beaten? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, there's the, there's menace the, in the air at all times in this house. He's got the uh, Henry Bowers, Stephen King origin story of the <laughs> the farm with the, the bad dad on it. And <laughs> be, be, get picking on the kid that lives nearby. Yeah, like I feel like it's happening. It's just not happening on camera. You know? Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to include that for the viewer, but... Man, it's just always you just feel it like a haze in this house that like something bad's it's happening. Insidious. So the bully, they have their tryouts. Finn is really good. He's a little better than Luke, or or comparable to Luke. They put the first sort of batch of okay, you guys are on in the next round of tryouts. Luke is first. Finn is second. Luke comes up and just with black magic marker just crosses out Finn's name as if that's enough. And then is like, oh, guess you're not on the team, kid. And 
Finn reacts as if this is an official <laughs> disbarment from the t- he's, he, like he hangs his head like oh I guess I'm not on the like that doesn't count the coach didn't cross you out this lose your kid did like don't worry about it mm-hmm. you'll be fine so, yeah that was really weird it was uh, a little silly so mom Cynthia is who used to be a, a big wig cook is now just a waitress at a little kind of greasy spoon diner where they do not know what a veggie burger is apparently <laughs> <laughs> the other waitress yeah is and they're very and very ignorant they're very antagonistic towards the customer who wanted a veggie burger too and she was like kind of picking on him and being like what are you stupid this is a veggie burger and the guy's like uh go to any restaurant in the world and they'll tell you what a veggie burger is and it's not this and i found that really weird that they would treat the customers like that well, what I found weird is way. they're playing it as if this is such a tiny little podunk town full of hicks that no one knows or will acknowledge what a veggie burger is because, goddammit, it's America and we eat meat. But this middle school is very nice. <laughs> that's not a small town middle school. That's like, that's a yeah. decent suburb middle school. And in their fridge later, Finn pulled to feed the dog, Finn pulls out a bag of Panera. They have Panera in their town. You know what a veggie burger is. Don't pretend you don't. <laughs> like, if you have Panera in your town, you That's know a what a veggie point. burger is. So maybe she's just trying to set an example yeah. to this guy or what. But there's dreamy Doc Henry is this customer who kind of gets Shannon Elizabeth flustered as soon as she sees him. And she's trying to apologize to him because he wanted a veggie burger. He sort of misread the menu because what they mean is a burger with veggies on it. <laughs> so he ate the veggies. He insists on paying for it and leaves her a $20 tip. So it's a mm-hmm. little a little flirty, but nothing crazy. One of the dogs at the Weaver house, pen full of dogs, has an injured leg, which will be very important. Yeah, because we're kind of keep cutting back and forth between the Weaver's place and what's going on with Finn and what's going on with Cynthia. Finn misses the next round of trials. There's, I was going to say, there, I was just going to go off on a little bit of a tangent about this dog, if that's okay. Absolutely. Um, there's, a, there's a TV show in Canada that I, I I'm American, but I live in Canada. And there's a TV show called The Littlest Hobo, sure. and it's about a dog that's uh, that's like a hobo that travels around on like trains and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and like gets into adventures like The Incredible Hulk in the TV show. And this dog is very reminiscent of The Littlest Hobo in the beginning of the movie because they have this whole montage of him like going through train tracks and like going under trestles and like kind of making his way through the world before he gets picked up by uh, Judy Greer. Then uh, that's, I just wanted to say that's what it reminded me of, so that if there's any Canadians listening, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Judy Greer? I wish Judy Greer was in this movie. Lauren what did Holly. I say, Judy Greer? Yeah, Lauren Holly. <laughs> Lauren Holly, sorry. I'll take Judy my Greer any way you can give her to Didn't me. My... Yeah, so Finn misses the next round of tryouts because Luke locks him in the sort of the dirty clothes hamper, which has a lock on, padlock on mm-hmm. it for some reason. Locks him in there. The last we'll see of Bubblegum Coach is him coming in and ignoring this kid crying for help because someone because I swear that I smell gum out here or something like he's like the the kid catcher mm-hmm. from goddamn Chitty Chitty Bang Bang but for Bubblegum like he's gonna find it. <laughs> so Finn missed tryouts and Coach is like but he doesn't to his credit I guess I don't know if to his credit but he does not narc Luke out he doesn't because Coach is like what you missed tryouts for you were really good and you were excited. And he does not say, because this asshole locked me in a <laughs> dirty clothes hamper. He's like, I don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. So coach is kind of, I got to decide if I'm going to give you another shot or not. So, but like, 
don't which is pretty realistic i thought just as someone who gets bullied you know you don't you don't tell because then you catch a bigger beating later and that's not necessarily good advice but uh, that's what happens in my experience is yeah there's there's definitely two and you go to the teacher there's definitely two schools of thought to how to react to bullying there's you know keep your head down and just get through it and then there's the you know you punch a bully in the nose because once he's once you know once he learned he can't do that so i both probably have pros and cons <laughs> yeah this movie's supposedly this movie's message is about it's kind of a dual purpose the dangers of bullying and the dangers of dog hoarding the bullying for me and we'll get to it kind of gets just dropped to focus more on the dog hoarding part because mm -hmm. there, there's a lot going on it's a very unfocused movie i feel like because then there's also there's a romantic comedy aspect happening there's a lot going on in 90 minutes and it could have been tightened up i feel in a way that would have serviced trying to get those points across a little better mm -hmm. there's one girl sort of in the bully group who kind of stands up for Finn for a second is kind of like oh guys leave him alone he's the new kid like why do you not like him and they kind of shout her down and then she quiets back down. So she seems to want to be Finn's friend, but is peer pressured into, she doesn't bully along with them, but mm -hmm. definitely doesn't put herself out there, you know, to stand up for him 100%. So Luke steals Finn's phone mm -hmm. and he has a big dog called Spartacus that he sort of is threatening Finn with. And Finn kind of just has to take it. Like, nobody's getting, like, punched or kicked. It's not, it's, there's no real violence in this movie. But he's definitely getting kind of shoved around, definitely made fun of. So a very, yeah, not a pleasant form of bullying, but a very, you know, family film PG version of bullying anyway. <laughs> bullying light. We meet uh, Cousin Grace, who is, so it's Finn's cousin. It is uh, Cynthia's sister's daughter who seems to hang out with them a lot. We never uh -huh. see her parents, so we never see Cynthia's sister. I'm guessing they moved here from Boston because they have family here, because clearly Grace and her parents, who are Cynthia's sister and brother-in-law, live in this town as well. So that uh -huh. could be why they moved here. And Grace seems to be perpetually grounded. Like, she's constantly talking about how she's grounded, yet she's running around town through the whole movie. Yeah, she's always said she's her, she's in trouble with her parents, but we never really find out for what. She mm -hmm. has a boyfriend named Drew that we'll meet, who yep. is kind of always a little worried that she's seeing some other guy on the side, even though she hasn't really given him any reason to that we can see, who also her parents hate for reasons we also will never learn. He seems <laughs> throughout the movie to be a pretty good guy, but who knows. But yeah, Grace and Finn are very close. She's definitely the person he goes to because dad's not around. He doesn't feel like he can talk to mom all the time. So Finn follows, the next day at school, Finn follows Luke back to his house. I don't know what his plan is here, aside from the breaking and entering that he commits, because he's looking to get his phone back. But what's, like, what's your plan? Yeah. Like, you obviously aren't physically going to stand up to this boy, or he wouldn't have taken your phone in the first place. So is the plan mm -hmm. what you actually wind up, what he winds up doing, which is waiting for luke to set his backpack down and leave the room as he's spying through the window and then climb in through an open window and steal your phone back that's putting a lot of yeah that doesn't seem like a very good plan because maybe the window's not open maybe he never <laughs> sets the book bag down murdered yeah it also seems like a good way to get beat up again and disappeared and then poor cynthia never knows what happened to her kid fed to the dogs 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he puts a cake inside of uh, Luke's backpack, which is really weird. It's an odd choice. Yeah, I don't know what that was about, but yeah, this kid could get, could get Mason vergered by these dogs and just, you know. <laughs> and while he's there, he sees the injured dog, who also mm-hmm. is getting bullied by Spartacus, the bigger dog, because the injured dog's just kind of laying there whimpering, and Spartacus runs over and starts. We don't really see much; it's all kind of off camera, but kind of attacking him. And the dad and Luke have to come out and kind of separate them, so they're keeping. This injured dog sort of sequestered now off by itself. So he gets his home back. He doesn't steal the dog at this point. But he definitely talks to the dog and kind of befriends like, oh, you know, oh, you're hurt. That sucks. I wish you, you know, I could get you out of here. But he doesn't. Goes back home. We meet Grace's boyfriend, Drew. That's another reason I thought maybe this is going to be a Christian movie because every Christian movie has a girl named Grace in it. <laughs> at least the ones I've covered on this <laughs> podcast anyway. So I was like, oh, no, another Grace. We meet her boyfriend, Drew who Cynthia, yeah, Cynthia just cooks for, she's constantly has her niece and her niece's boyfriend are just coming over and she's feeding everybody. So it's, she's cooking at work. She's cooking at home. Give this lady a break. But I guess it's probably nice for her because she used to cook like, cause she's making them like tuna croquettes. Like you're not making that at the greasy spoon. Mm-hmm. You're making bullshit hamburgers and stuff. So it's probably nice for her to be able to, at home, she feels like stretching her wings again. I mean like, oh, see, I don't have to just make French fries. I can make like a real meal for people again. She probably misses it. Mm-hmm. They have a discussion about, because now that Finn has sort of seen this dog, he's like, hey, mom, we should get a dog. It'd be cool. Like, when you're at work, I would have protection. So he's sort of hinting to her that there's bullying happening, or he would need protection from something. And she's not picking up on it, really. Her whole thing is like, no, the landlord said we can't have a dog, so we can't have a dog. Like, that's, and there's the last dog we had. You remember the vet vet bills we had when that dog died? All the, like, it's just we can't afford it. We're not allowed, so no dog. And Grace is not helpful to Cynthia. Grace is like, no, come on, you should let him get a dog. Like, hey, I'm parenting my child now. You stand over there and be quiet because mm-hmm. this conversation has nothing to do with you. I know you're standing up for Finn and trying to help him out, but you're not making it easier on me. Yeah, she's kind of undercutting her parenting in an embarrassing way. But undeterred, <laughs> despite being told no, that very night, Finn, this kid is sneaking out constantly. This is the kid who should be grounded. Mm-hmm. Sneaks out in the middle of the night walks to however the hell far the Weaver house is, takes a hammer Which to Which is the... implied that it's out in the boonies. Yeah. Takes a hammer to this and peels this chicken wire fence open and lets this dog out and sort of rescues this dog from the Weavers. So there's a lot of... I mean, she saw herself as rescuing the dog from the streets. Now he's rescuing... So there's a lot of... what is What is actually rescuing a dog <laughs> look like? compared to, like, the Humane Society or something like that, is a real theme of the movie. And he... Well, and Luke sort of sees him taking the dog and walking off through the woods. Doesn't chase him down, but, like, mental note to self, like, ooh, I'm gonna get that kid tomorrow. He just stole one of our dogs. This kid, this Finn kid is unimaginative because he's like, what should we name you? And he just happens to be standing under... They stopped at a corner walking home. And he's like, oh, no, what's this sign say? Marshall Avenue? That's your name. Marshall Avenue Lawson. First off, dogs only yeah, middle names. named him after the sign that the dog peed on. Yeah. Dogs only middle names, number one. Unless you're tr- really trying to, like, do something funny with it. If you do, Avenue's not a good one. <laughs> Marshall's fine. Avenue's no. dumb. So now the dog's name is Marshall. Finn's plan to hide this dog from his mom is not a plan at all. 
because he gets home. No, he just well, she's, really she one. must still be at work when he goes to take the dog because she comes home in the middle of him giving this dog a bath, and he's like, "Hey, mom, I'm glad you're home from work. You should. You must be tired. You should just go to bed in your room and not go to the bathroom. Hope you don't have to go to the bathroom." <laughs> and she's like, "You're right. I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed." And she immediately goes, puts on a sleep mask, and lays down to go to sleep. But like you do. But of course, the dog immediately, soaking wet, jumps out of the tub, runs into her room, jumps on the bed. So the 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 jig is up immediately. Mm-hmm. But how did you think you were going to hide this dog in your house? Like I don't I don't know. Yeah, what... it's a it's a golden retriever and it's or a golden lab and it's uh it's a big dog. Like they're not little, they're they're a big old dog, and it makes a lot of uh, noise and it was not a very thought out plan at all. No, I don't think it's not a purse dog. You can just throw in the closet and pray. Like mom's going to figure out there's a mm-hmm. dog here one way or another. So, yeah, so now she's soaking wet, and she's like, are you kidding me? Like, what? I just told you no dog. So he leaves again with the dog, takes it over to Cousin Grace's, who also, I guess, is not allowed to have a dog, but she's like, I don't care what my parents say. We'll bring the dog to the garage. He seems hurt. We're going to pour peroxide on his wound, which I think is important to note, is very up close to sort of the elbow joint, as opposed to down Mm -hmm. near his paw, because later that wound is going to move (laughs) significantly. Yeah, and um, it's a very vague wound. It's just kind of generic leg wound. Yeah, which is infected badly, I guess. For most of the movie, we don't see the dog. The dog's moving around pretty good and not limping or anything. As the movie progresses, this is some good dog acting because this dog is like limping around with one (laughs) paw up. Like I don't know how you train a dog to do that. Something so unnatural to it, but they did. I don't know. They did a pretty good job with it. (laughs) And this dog has PTSD. From being whatever happened to it before, plus being attacked by Spartacus at the Weaver's house. Because he's having a kind of hilarious dog nightmare. <laughs> like, we don't see what he's dreaming. Mm-hmm. But this is also good dog acting. Because this dog is just laying on the floor with its eyes closed. But it's, like, kicking in the air. And, like, oh, 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 like, whining. Yeah. It reminded me of Robocop when he was having his nightmare. It's a and, very... Uh, before he gets up and goes after <laughs> the guys, the gang members. Kind of sitting in his chair, shaking. And... It's a pretty RoboCop dream, yeah. So Mama Weaver comes out the next day, notices that the the fence has been opened and this injured dog is gone, and says to the husband, who would kidnap a dog? And he rolls his eyes so far into the back of his head, he could see (laughs) his own neck. Like He's just like, yeah, who would kidnap a dog? But he doesn't say it. He does not stand up to this lady. He just, in silent... Silent protest to himself. But Luke, because she's like, you gotta go, husband, you gotta go and find this dog. He's like, I'm not doing that. We have enough dogs. You can lose one dog. Who cares? Like, we're dying here. We can't feed ourselves from feeding these dogs. And Luke, probably not out of a generosity of spirit wanting to be a good son, probably because he wants to go fuck with Finn some more, and he knows Finn has the dog, is like, oh, mom, I'll go look for the dog. I'll go find the dog. Oh, what a good son you are. So he goes Uh off. He's going to try to track Finn and Marshall down. Cynthia comes back into the diner. Hot doctor's there again. I guess we don't know that he's a doctor yet, but Henry's there again, and he has a woman with him named Carrie who is has a wedding ring on and is kind of like twisting it around. Mm-hmm. And here's the big... <laughs> because I watch every movie twice. I watch it once to kind of just get like an overview in my head. I watch it a second time to take notes. The first time... I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and get into some spoilers. But they're setting up that, like, oh, shit, this guy's married. But I immediately thought to myself, that's got to be his sister, right? But the first time I watched it, I somehow missed 
and you could, well, you could easily miss it because it's one line, but later in the movie you find out it's confirmed, yes, this is his sister. I missed that moment. So at the end of the movie, when they're out on a date, I was very surprised. <laughs> I was like, whoa, hold on. You're just out on a date with a married man. What's going on? I missed the moment when they proved my prediction true. But mm-hmm. at this point, we just know he is with a woman. And so she's kind of like bummed out. <laughs> she's kind of like, uh. but he's still not like super flirting with her, but kind of slightly flirting, flirting with her. And she's kind of like, that's weird that, you, that he would flirt with me in front of his wife. That's pretty weird. But she doesn't think to check his hands for a wedding ring. She mm-hmm. never, and she has ample opportunity throughout the movie to look at his hands to see if he has a wedding ring on. And she doesn't. And that would have solved a lot of her problems. <laughs> Instead of just assuming. Or she could have just asked him. Also could have asked. Or you could do the subtle passive aggressive shit. Just be like. Oh, is this your lovely wife? And he'd be like, no, it's my sister. There, problem solved. And you, you've you saved yeah. half an hour off this movie. But then you wouldn't have most of the wouldn't movie. Wouldn't have the movie. There's, this actually made me laugh. There's Luke has gathered sort of his some of his bully friends. They're on their bikes. They're getting ready to go. He's recruited them to help him look for Luke and Marshall. And one of the, the friend in the back who's standing on his bike is like, yeah, let's go find Huckledorky Finn. And he says it in a way where he's expecting them to really get a kick out of that joke. And they don't. They mm-hmm. ignore it completely and drive off on their bikes. And the look on his face, this crestfallen look, this is a good kid actor. Because this, the look he gets on his face when they don't laugh at his joke cracked me up. Is that all, the same kid that there. went for the high five earlier and then the guys just left him hanging? Yeah. <laughs> so this, this yeah. kid is kind of... So that kid's subliminally uh, being bullied as well microaggressions yes for sure so grace and finn take marshall to the vet who turns out to be the guy from the diner that i mean they don't know each other at this point but that mom has been sort of flirting with yeah here the bandage on this dog's leg is now like way down by the paw instead of up like it has moved at least eight inches down from where that wound was before so Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's just little continuity things like that. Yeah, Hunky Henry is the town vet at the animal hospital, and he tells the kids, like, look, I can't work on this dog without an adult. Like, who's the adult owner? I can put on my antibiotics, but that's, like, all I can do, and we'll just hope for the best. So Grace goes outside, calls Cynthia to tell her, like, hey, I'm at the animal hospital with Finn, and we need money. (laughs) I have a little bit of money. So, you know the dog that you didn't want, that he got anyway, that you told him he can't have? Well, we need you to come pay for it. <laughs> like, that's not a call you want to get. And all of the... Still not on board either with the dog. No, definitely not. She's softening up. She's trying not to sort of be too angry at Finn about it. But, yeah. There's other dogs start barking in this clinic, and it triggers Marshall's PTSD, and he bolts out of this... And is just on the loose for the rest of the movie, really. On the loose in this town. And he goes to... Well, at this point, the rest of the movie... Kind of the rest of the movie is going to be cutting back and forth from what's Marshall doing out on the town by himself? And then everybody else looking for him. So we see him interacting with sort of people in the town. And we're kind of... Because this is very much a dog movie for dog people and dog lovers, I think we're supposed to see these things that like, oh, these people are being mean to that dog. But these people are having the correct response to this dog, I feel like. He comes up to a hot dog cart Uh where a guy is selling people hot dogs. And 
But the guy's not like kicking the dog and saying, go, go, go. You know, he gives him a little piece of hot dog. He's like, there, that's enough. Go away now. And the dog's kind of there begging. And he's like, no, go away. That's the correct response. You can't have a dog hanging out at your, you know, trying to eat all your product. You have to get rid of that dog. He's not mean about it. <laughs> and then the dog's at the, Marshall's at the park. Some, you don't want that next to your hot dog stand. No. And then Marshall goes to the park and a little kid runs up and does the thing you are absolutely not supposed to do to a strange dog, which is run up get in its face and start pulling on its ears and this mom rightfully so is like oh my god mm-hmm. get away from that dog and drags her kid away which is 100 percent the correct response you don't know that dog <laughs> but it's kind of framed as if we're supposed to be like what a horrible yeah. woman let that boy play with that dog he's a nice dog yeah but she doesn't know that <laughs> and the kid is just tugging this dog's ears like a <laughs> maniac like that's not cool finn is out finn must be it Went to Navy school, Navy SEAL school or something, because he is tracking this dog by its footprints all over town, yeah. which is insane. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's pretty good at it. But he winds up, in his search, winds up at the ball field where Luke is hanging out. Apparently has given up the search for Finn and Marshall. Just hanging out with the bullies again, and Luke stumbles upon them. Or Finn stumbles upon the bullies, and Finn, Luke, rather, is like, Oh, hey, that's my phone. He's like, no, you know it's my phone, so knock it off. I'm looking for, you know, looking for the dog. He's like, yeah, the dog you stole from my house. So go get that dog. It's my mom's dog. And Finn's like, you don't need any more dogs. Your mom hoards dogs. And Luke gets, like, legitimately angry. He's like, don't talk about my mom. Mm -hmm. So it's, there's a lot of misplaced or overdone love. Like, Luke loves his mom and he's trying to do something for her he's just doing a bad thing for her she genuinely Mm. loves dogs she just loves them too much and that's a thing to this movie's credit and this is well i'll save that for the end because it's kind of getting ahead of myself as far as how she's portrayed but it's grace to the rescue grace comes around the corner where he's about to get bullied again and she's like oh hey what's going on over here don't like don't worry about the dog like you don't need another you know He's right, you don't need another dog. And uh, Luke's like, well, well, I'll just call the police and they can come and get him for dog napping or whatever. <laughs> Grace smartly is like, "You, I'll call the police right now. You really want the police to go into your house? And he's like, yeah. no, I guess not. <laughs> I didn't think that through. And then she's <laughs> like, by the way, you know my boyfriend, he's like the star quarterback, right? Should I text him right now and he can come over here and talk about this with you? And he's like, no, 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 no we're good, we're good. <laughs> so the bully is... Not very tough. Not. He's only tough to people smaller than him, of course. So, so Cynthia shows up at the pet hospital, because Grace had called her there, and gets there to find out that Finn and Marshall both have run off now. Has a conversation with Doc Henry. Carrie is there, kind of at the reception desk. And he's like, oh, this is the other Dr. Reeves. So now she thinks, okay, they have the same last name. But again, like, there's, there's a couple reasons she could have the same last name. You should investigate this more instead of making assumptions. So now she's really sold on the idea that, like, oh, it's him and his wife, and they run this animal hospital. So, But he, Henry says, like, I'll help you go look for Finn and the dog. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, you stay here with you. She doesn't say stay here with your wife, but, like, her thought process clearly is, like, I don't need this married man coming with me now. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, 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 the dog got away under my watch. You know, it's I feel it's like my responsibility. So... I will go, I will drive you and we'll go, we'll drive around and find them. And she kind of begrudgingly agrees. <laughs> Luke is back at uh, the Weaver house 
this is I thought this was actually pretty funny. I mean, it's sad too. I don't think I don't know if it's supposed to be funny or not. I found it funny. Her names for the dogs, Mama Weaver's names for the dogs, because Luca's like, oh, we gotta, we gotta. I haven't found Marshall yet, but I'll keep looking. She's like, who's Marshall? And he's like, that injured dog, you know? And she's like, oh, baby boy. And he's like, I thought we already had it. I thought the collie was baby boy. And she's like, no, that's baby man junior. <laughs> like, her <laughs> names for the dogs are kind of funny. It's because it's baby, baby man junior. There's another one she says at the end. Rex one. And the Humane Society guy's like, is there a Rex two? And she's like, no, why would there be a Rex two? <laughs> <laughs> There's just Rex one. It's kind of funny. Marshall runs into uh, the continuing adventures of Marshall around town, who's, yeah, it, it, this infection is supposed to be so bad that very soon it's going to be literally killing him. But he doesn't, he should be like laying in a corner somewhere whining then, and, but he's just running around town having fun. He goes into a pet store and a guy has to chase him around. That's another situation where they try and paint the guy as like some kind of villain. It's like trying to like ruin Marshall's day. And it's like he's perfectly reasonable in not wanting this dog in here, like playing with the toys and like spreading his infection all over the store. Just some random dirty dog. Yeah. And uh, but they an unaccompanied dog, because you see other people in the pet yeah. store who came in with their pets on a leash and bought some stuff and then left. This is just a loose dog who's running around your store with no owner in sight. You can't have that. It makes sense that he should be trying to get this dog out of the store. Yeah, it was. I felt bad for the guy. Yeah. Yeah, because he gets humiliated, as I suppose we're supposed to be happy that he does, where he, like, falls in a thing of balls and, like, trips and is mm -hmm. outsmarted by this dog. Marshall makes a fool of him. Yes. But Marshall also saves a little dog. There's, like, a tiny little, I don't know what kind of dog it is, but you could pick it up and throw it Shit like a football. Gets off its leash and the owner's like, no, no, stay out of the road. And it's about to run into the street. And Marshall runs up and just like stands in front of it and looks at it. And the dog's like, oh, hey, buddy, what's up? Like, stops going, stops his dog from going into the street. <laughs> and the owner comes over and is like, oh, thank you for saving my dog. As if like, I don't know, it's just dogs being dogs. I don't, I don't know if he even was like trying to purposefully keep this dog from the street or was just like, oh, it's a little dog and just happened to catch him in time. Who knows? He is a miracle dog. So maybe he's planned it out doc uh doc henry and cynthia are driving around she looks in the back seat there's a car seat back there and she's like oh you have a kid and he doesn't say yes i do he says oh that's whatever this kid's name is jennifer or something she's three carrie dotes on her which again is a vague enough he's not saying yes my wife and i have a three-year-old child and that is her car seat he's saying that woman you met carrie has a child <laughs> Make of that what you will, I guess. And there's no... She never has follow-up questions, and she really, really should. And yet they do have this weird moment where it's like, I guess it's meant to be kind of snappy dialogue, but they have this moment where she's like, "What? do you know what he looks like? And then she's like, I know what my son looks like. And then the doctor's like, no, I mean uh, Marshall. And then they have like this back and forth where they're like getting the kid and Marshall mixed up. And it's like they're, they they work they manage to work that out, but they can't work out the, whether or not he's married. Yeah, and it's kind of any sort of attempt. I think any purposeful attempts at humor in this movie fall flat, but there are things that are funny. Yeah. <laughs> whether intentional or not, like the dog name thing, and uh, <laughs> which is probably supposed to be funny, but or the one kid yeah. who can't get the other bullies to go along with his jokes and high fives and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, they see Marshall, and they're like, oh, there he is. And they get out, and they're kind of chasing him down and fail to catch him. But do Doc Henry does run through some wet cement. And her, Shannon Elizabeth, is, she has such a great 
laugh. Like it doesn't feel canned or rehearsed. Like it feels like she just saw something that tickled her funny bone. And she just has such a full, like full-throated, like unembarrassed, not dainty or ladylike, like laugh. And it's really, really adorable and I love it. <laughs> but yeah, Doc Henry steps in some cement. So now they have kind of a flirty scene where she's spraying him with a hose to try to get the cement off his shoes. And it's at this, yeah. It's yeah, I really this, hated that scene. When it's at the end of that scene that she's like. It made like, me uncomfortable. Oh God, I'm flirting with a married man. What's wrong with me? But again, just, you've had so many times to ask more probing questions. Figure it out. Yeah. And she like sprays him on the butt with the water. Like intentionally, like and that's like a pretty overt flirt, you know. Like that's not that's not just like little joke. That's I'm just soaking your pants. <laughs> the stuff that was a, uh, you know, for someone who's hung up on the fact that she's flirting with a married guy, she has no problem being like really aggressive with him. Yeah, she there's definitely a two minds. <laughs> she's definitely in the back of her mind, and it comes forward sometimes when she has a moment to stop and think is like, Oh God, what are you doing? But in the moment she's like, Oh, he's so cute though. <laughs> I've been single for, I've been single for so long and I got this kid at home with this dumb dog. I just, he's so dreamy. <laughs> Can't help herself. Now there's a bunch of almost back and forth swapping this dog off because Miss Weaver finds Marshall first and kind of starts putting up. She's like, Oh, there you are. I found you. When she decided to go look without Luke, I don't know, but gets a gets a uh, leash on him just in time, and Finn swoops in like a goddamn Batman, just into frame from nowhere, <laughs> and like yoinks and grabs the dog out of her hands and takes off running. But he doesn't yeah, get very far. He doesn't get very far because the Weaver husband who's still in the truck, whose name I couldn't even bother to, if they ever even said it, I couldn't remember, is Gary maybe, who stayed behind in the truck, drives yeah, over to where and catches up to Finn, takes the dog back from Finn. So we just had, they just kind of traded it back and forth, but it's kind of just killing time because you didn't, that didn't accomplish anything really. Since the weavers are going to wind up with the dog anyway, you just spent a minute on this scene that kind of didn't mean anything. And here's where, here's where I feel that they kind of drop what's supposed to be an important aspect of the movie, the bullying thing, because Luke, bullies don't just on a dime have a change of heart like this it's so you know it mm -hmm. doesn't feel like you're paying, so artificial it doesn't feel like you're paying off you're trying to tell a moral lesson or something about bullying and i don't feel like this gets to the heart of anything because he's just like he catches up to finn after the marshals are, or the weavers have just taken marshall back and he's like okay your mom's got the dog are you happy now like that dog's gonna die your mom does not know how to take care of that dog and it kind of sinks into luke that he's like he just at this point he just stops being a bully because he kind of agrees that maybe my mom's a little crazy. <laughs> like we both think my it's a real um Martha <laughs> why do you say that name <laughs> moment. Like if this yeah. was if this was Batman and Superman, it's a very like, oh we both think my mom's a nutball. Alright. I guess we won't fight anymore. Cause he's like, hop on my bike. Which in my experience, like with bullies the thing that gets them to turn around is very rarely insulting their mother. Finding that's that's usually not the uh, the definitely not. <laughs> or finding yeah. some kind of common ground, which I, is what they're trying to get across yeah. in this movie. Is like, oh, all you need to do is find the you know the common ground with your bully, and then you can start to get along and be friends. But that it doesn't really work that way because <laughs> some you know 
No. A lot of bullies you don't have any common ground with. So, but so he he's like, okay, hop on. We can unbike somehow. We can get to my house faster. Then my parents will get back to the house. So now it's Luke and Finn as sort of begrudging buddies biking. They get the dog back. I don't remember how. There's a lot of switching um, back and forth of who has the dog, but but they get, they get to the farm and and they, where where the weavers live, and uh, they let uh, Marshall out of his cage, and then Marshall unlocks the door with the other dogs and lets them out, and they like swarm around the mom like it's uh like they're like pigs that are gonna eat her, like you said, like Mason Verger. <laughs> And, uh, and like he, he manages to like figure out how to open the door like the velociraptor and so that's that was how he escaped that's what it was, was by distracting the mom with with the with the mini dogs attacking her were you kind of hoping they'd eat her <laughs> I, I i really wanted that movie to take a horror movie's turn at some point i mean that would be wild that would be a wild ending to this movie if it was just going along and then suddenly i would be this woman just get torn gets torn apart by a pack of dogs <laughs> like wow Roll i'd be credits. much happier with that movie if that's what happened <laughs> it'd be a very different movie that's for sure so luke and finn take they sort of i guess they put them because now the dog is having trouble walking they put them in like they have a little red wagon attached to the back of the bike that they put the dog in take him back to the vet who informs them that, like, we're going to have to, this infection is so bad, we're going to have to amputate his leg. And that might save him, it might not. But that's all we can do. Mm-hmm. And then it's a question of, like, but who's going to pay for that? Because that's not cheap. And Cynthia comes around. And it's in this scene, also, yeah, Cynthia agrees, like, okay, like, I'm not a bad person, I'm not a bad mom. Like, I can see, first off, I don't want a dog to die in general. But also, I can see how attached this dog and my son are. I will find a way to pay for this. Go ahead and do the surgery you have to do. And it's also in this scene that she finds out that Carrie is not his wife, is his sister. Because he's like, he says something like, okay, get the get, get something ready, sis. And she's like, oh, she's your sister? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and a really good vet. End of conversation. Like, it's so mm. fast and so quick that they just glossed over kind of her whole dilemma of the movie. Her whole character arc is like, Mm-hmm. figuring out because Finn's off doing his own thing she, her kind of whole thing is that she's attracted to this married man now that's taken care of and it happens so fast that yeah I missed it the first time it wasn't until mm-hmm. <laughs> the second time that I watched it that I was like oh okay they do explain that because it's pretty weird that they just go on a date later it's not that they're Polly and have invited Shannon Elizabeth into their marriage <laughs> no because you never after this that moment you never see Carrie again at all in the movie she has served her purpose as the yeah. fake romantic yeah. foil, I guess. So what it looked to me like was she was flirting with him with the hose, then he saves the dog, and then they're out on the town kissing <laughs> with no, like, is he just stepping out on his wife and she's just decided to be, o- <laughs> Cynthia's decided, I guess I'm just going to be okay with this because this, this movie just took a weird turn too. I thought this was a family film, but no, it's his sister and yeah. she finds out. There's... I'm sorry. They have an arrangement. It shouldn't... Again, this should not be funny, but I found this hilarious. The dog CPR that happens here. Because the dog... (laughs) Marshall flatlines on the table as they're amputating his leg. And Doc Henry is there doing, like, chest compressions on this fake dog. And it's funny. Mm -hmm. It's really funny. (laughs) It's not supposed to be, but it's pretty funny. 
Like it's treated with this. I mean, look, I, it's up there with. Uh, as I say, it's, it's up there with uh, Bradley Cooper and the the rubber baby in American Sniper. It's <laughs> pretty close. <laughs> pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even so much that like how fake the dog looks or whatever. It just there's something about. And I guess you do CPR on dog. I don't. I don't know. But do you do CPR like this on dogs? Like it looks like a scene from ER where they're like, "Oh God, he's fought, he's coding. Get everybody here." You know. I think and, you do actually. But he's just the way he's going to town um, with chest compressions on this dog just looked really funny to me. I saw. Um, I had a, a pet that was a rodent that, that that died in the vet office, and they did little tiny chest compressions on it. Hmm. And it was a bit to Dagu. It's a little tiny like squirrel, basically. Well, so eh, it's. They do it. It's just silly looking. Yeah, and it's just it's supposed to be a very, you know, oh no, what's that? You know, tense. Like, is the dog gonna pull through scene. or not? I mean, the movie's called Marks of Miracles, so one imagines he's not gonna die. But so it's supposed to be very serious. But I couldn't take it seriously just because he's so like, not today, damn it! Like he's just going to town on this dog, and it just made me laugh. <laughs> so animal control. Well, the Marshall winds up surviving him. They, they take the leg off. He was, he was touch and go for a minute. We had to do CPR on him, but the dog is alive. He should be, if the antibiotics antibiotics work the way they should, he should be running around in a, in a month and be fine. He'll just have three legs, no big deal. We cut from that to back at the Weaver Farm. Animal Control and the Humane Society have been called, and they are coming and taking all these dogs away. I was half expecting and maybe hoping. Have you ever seen in Hoarders... Where somebody's got like 80 cats and they go through and they start cleaning the place up and they find like flat cats. Mm-hmm. Like mummified like cat cats that just like a box, a box fell on it and flattened it and then it stayed there yeah. and she didn't even notice. And they pull out like 20 just flattened cats. <laughs> I thought that would be what her house mm-hmm. was like. But with dogs maybe. But no. But it's actually and here's where yeah. this is what I think the film does really well. Because it would be, it would be very easy to treat this woman like a monster. Like an over-the-top mm. cartoon mustache twirly villain, like a Cruella Deville. Like I'm collecting these dogs for an evil purpose. Ha ha ha! But you feel real empathy and sympathy for her because she's crying. She's afraid that they're gonna take these dogs and put them all down. And they're like, we don't do like really means like no, we're gonna like adopt them out. We're just they're not safe here. This is too many dogs for you to have. Like because she really does love them it's misguided and misplaced and she probably has an undiagnosed mental illness as most hoarders do but you actually Mm -hmm. feel for her instead of being like yeah good get her take those dogs away you're kind of like can she keep two like (laughs) can you let her pick one to have you know like you genuinely feel bad for her and i think that's really well done because it would have been so easy to make her just an just an unsavable just evil person that you're glad to see punished or something but well, it's kind of unexpected too because these these movies tend to to do that with their villains, like their bad characters tend like these kind of like pseudo Christian lifetime kind of movies tend to have like really bad guys that are irredeemable. And you know the fact that I think I agree with you that they they did a good job of making her kind of human, and even though she's a little bit comic relief at times, you know she's very like campy. She they painted her as a as a person with with genuine like layers, which yeah. is unexpected. She's she's a little verbally abusive to her husband, and she should work on that. <laughs> yeah, and she obviously yeah she needs to work on whatever it is mentally that has made her a hoarder. She needs some therapy, but I'm assuming she gets it because the next thing we see is a month later, there's a big like pet adoption 
sort of fair going on at the park that I guess Cynthia mm-hmm. and Doc Henry have organized. And she's there, I'm assuming, volunteering. She's at one of the booths, like, handing out pet food or something to people. So she's mm-hmm. really trying to give back and, like, make up for what she has done. Because she, she never meant anything malicious. She never meant to hurt any of these dogs. And she genuinely thought that, A, it's okay to just kidnap them. <laughs> but, like, you know, the idea that, like, I can love them better than they're being loved wherever they're at. And so I like to think that she was there volunteering, uh, like with the SPCA, that that's what she does now. Like that in my head and like my head canon was that like she realized that she can interact with these dogs without actually taking them on as a full responsibility and like find them good homes. And I like, I like to think that she found that as an outlet for whatever it was that was driving her to be a hoarder. But that's me like overthinking it probably. No, definitely. That's, (laughs) that's a good take on it it might have even been what they were going for especially since it's another thing to consider is because it's based on a true story i'm assuming this is based on a real person somewhat as well they probably didn't want to character mm-hmm. assassinate the person that they were you know yeah that's fair they don't want to like uh, be like and then she died of a meth overdose <laughs> we're like yeah we're making a movie you're one of the characters you might not want to watch the movie because it... <laughs> we don't make you look so good like no, they've made her look like, you know, and maybe hopefully that's what she was like in real life, that she also turned things around and, and learned a better way to handle that stuff. Doc Henry and Cynthia, like I said, go on a date. They're walking around the town. They have a nice little smooch. So everything's looking up for them. The mayor gives Finn and Marshall the dog bone to the city instead of the key to the city. Like, I don't know. That's a little much. Like, how did the, how did this kid... I know the kid and his mom had helped organize yeah, that, this. That was silly. But, like, this kid is, like, a town hero now because mm-hmm. he took his dog to the vet? Like, <laughs> his dog didn't die? He, I don't know that he deserves <laughs> this treatment. Yeah, and that's the thing is, what is Marshall's miracle? I felt mir- a little bit... The miracle is that he didn't yeah. die? Okay, <laughs> I guess that's yeah, a miracle. I feel, I feel like they were trying to suggest that Marshall... Is like a, you know, I didn't save him, he saved me kind of situation with Finn. But they never really established that. Like, he's with Finn for all of, like, six hours before they take him to the vet. And all of a sudden, he's Finn's best friend, and he's going to die if they fit without Finn. And, like, they kind of build it up into, like, they have this amazing relationship, even though it's not earned at all. Uh, it's just sort of like, he just picked him up the night before yeah out of this farm and took him to the vet and that's all that's all that happened yeah not earned is a good and then they chased him around town for two hours a a good way to word it unearned because yeah yeah, like i said at the beginning it's it's just so unfocused because it's trying to do so many things you have the baseball shit at the beginning that doesn't mean anything and you're wasting screen time on because i feel like a really simple way you could have paid off the baseball stuff in any way some way would be to have a quick scene in this one month later where we see Finn and Luke as teammates working together well and being friendly on the baseball team that they've both made their way onto, you know, that helps wrap up the bullying stuff. That would make the baseball mean something, but we don't get that. And as far as the bullying stuff goes, there's kind of the only coda on that is at the dog adoption fair be 
one girl from the group that had kind of half-assed stood up for Finn when he was being bullied comes up to him and gives the real kind of like, if you see something, say something kind of <laughs> message of the movie. Because she's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, Finn, I should have set up for you more. And he's like, no, I get it. Like, <laughs> you don't need to put your ass on the line for me. And Luke comes around the corner and is kind of busting his balls a little bit. But they laugh it off and he's like, no, we're good now. Like, we're, you know, maybe maybe not even friends. But, you know, me and Luke have an understanding and we're not, I'm not a bully anymore. And that's kind of just the end of that. You've got you've got to deal with Miss Weaver and the dog hoarding issue, but then you also have this bullying thing that then just gets dropped. You've got Cynthia and Henry and their sexual chemistry and will they won't they is he married or not? So you've got it's too much too many spices. It's too many. <laughs> and so I think kind of everything gets muddled and lost. I think the bully thing gets lost kind of completely. The dog hoarding yeah. thing pays off but it seems like it's such it winds up being such a tiny part of the movie really that mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like there was a better way to structure it and frame it that would have served their purposes better but it turns out yeah we get it turns out it's a true story which they didn't say at the beginning but at the end there's you know marshall the miracle dog as he's come to be known is fine and dandy now running around on three legs cynthia the real life cynthia began this organization that has the dual purpose i feel like this is two separate organizations it should be but to talk about the dangers of bullying and animal hoarding which seem like two i don't know how those fit together under one umbrella organization <laughs> like how do you talk about both of those things <laughs> at once i feel like that's two separate topics and issues but apparently she's found a way to make it work because she's goes all over the place with Marshall this three-legged dog and talks to people about these things it's an inspirational story I guess question I guess. mark for somebody I, I didn't feel particularly inspired <laughs> no I mean, I'm glad I, the dog didn't die but you expected the dog not to die I expected the dog to die I thought that was going to be Marshall's miracles that the dog was going to die and that was going to somehow save the family and I thought it was going to be a sad dead dog story uh, and then it wasn't. So I was kind of a little bit happy about that, I guess, because it was very like they did the big thing of like, you know, he's crashing and we're doing CPR. And then they cut away from that. And then the doctor comes out and he's like, oh, he's cool. Don't worry about it. But it was like very sort of like un, un, undramatic. It was like, I don't know. It didn't pay off for me. I was, I, I, Marshall had died. I would have been more invested in the story. Not that I wanted Marshall to die, like in terms of like, I don't want a dog to die, but right. it just, as far as storytelling goes, I was just sort of like, okay, well, he got his leg amputated, BFD. Yeah, it just feels, I mean, because it's a family film, because it's a movie to watch with grandma, everything is just very surface layer. You know, it has, there's mm -hmm. four different things going on and we're going to touch on all of them very lightly, but we're not really going to delve too deep into any of them. So we're kind of not really saying anything. So I did get the yeah. feeling that, uh, just a slightly different subject uh when they brought marshall out and he had three legs i was like whispered to the tv that's the real marshall <laughs> i got kind of excited i was like it's a celebrity yeah and that's the 
because the whole time I watched the movie, I was like, this dog's moving around pretty good for a dog with a deathly infection in his leg. But then you have to remember that, like, well, okay, but that's just a normal dog that, like, <laughs> that they had to train him yeah. to behave that way. They didn't find an actual dog with a leg injury to make him put on, you know, like, duh. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's obviously the well, real they marshal. Know. They didn't make a fake marshal and t- find some other dog and cut his leg off. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> There was a the part where they brought out the mayor and they they built it up almost like they were like oh, get ready here comes the mayor it's gonna be the mayor and then they brought the mayor out and it was just some guy I thought there was gonna be a celebrity of some sort some kind of cameo like yeah. for some reason I th- yeah like like Patrick Stewart or something was gonna come out <laughs> wow you shot that you aimed high on that one well I think I thought of uh, the end of Robin Hood Men in Tights when right. the king shows up and it's Patrick Stewart or like Sean Connery at the end of uh, the other Robin Hood movie. Well, and also this mayor, I hope that he is a bachelor. He's one of those rare, like, bachelor mayors. Because he gets up and he says, everyone in this town knows me that I love three things. Baseball, this town, and dogs. Like, boy, I hope your wife and kids, I hope you don't have a wife and kids. And they're not, li- and if you do, that they're not <laughs> listening to this. Because you just put them fourth and fifth on your list of things you love. Yikes. He must be single. Yeah, yeah. That, that will do it. For Marshall's Miracle, or Marshall the Miracle Dog. Marshall's Miracle. You know what? Not terrible. For a family, it's per, it's innocent enough. Nothing in it was, like, offensively stupid to me. It's just not something I would ever watch on my own. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Yeah, no. There's just not enough I found, meat on the bone. I found the... Uh, there was just... It felt like at least half the movie was them chasing Marshall. And that got really tedious for me. I was just, they're like running in through concrete like a cartoon, like it's Looney Tunes. And they're like, you know, doing all this wacky stuff with the hot dog guy and the, the little puppy that almost ran in the street. And it's just like these little vignettes of Marshall interacting with the town. But like, I just didn't care about any of that. Like, I don't want to, I don't care about Marshall's adventures in, in the town because it's not relevant to the story at all. Yeah, especially when you're, like... when you're trying to impress upon me the grave health danger that this dog is in from this leg, then I you can't give me 20 minutes of this dog running around having fun. Like, you need to... Not that I want to see a dog <laughs> suffer, but you need to show me that this is a sick dog and this he never looks like a sick dog ever until they have him, like, in the wagon on the way to the vet at the end. It's the only time you're like, oh, that dog might be sick. Otherwise, he's a perfectly fine dog running around doing having adventures. Like, so it's you got to pick one you can't have both because <laughs> it's either i feel I... like there's a there's a way to do these kind of movies like a, a dog that is sick and needs to be rescued and helps the family like i feel like there's a way to do that and it's actually a good movie and this was just not that like i feel like you can watch like Mar- like marley and me or something like that that's like a similar kind of thing of you know the dog shows up and it's sick or whatever um and then it, like they the dog saves the family by you know existing i guess and then and they just they just didn't try as hard yeah there's definitely better versions of this movie out there that you've probably already seen so you don't really need to bother with this one if you if you had to it's not gonna hurt you it's fine it goes by it's it's a pretty breezy 90 minutes it never felt like it was dragging really it just yeah there's just not much to it that of, of interest but so that's my take on, on that. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about your art. Let's Me. Let's talk about your book. Okay. Let's do the book oh, yeah. first. You wrote a book. 
I wrote a book. I wrote a book. It's a uh, uh, don't laugh at me, but it's a vampire story. It's something I've been working on for about 15 years, just kind of in a broad, the world building kind of way. And then this was the first book that I put out that was from that world. And yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud of it. And it's, it's about a young girl who's in Utah in the 1970s. And uh, she meets up with the vampire and uh, kind of goes into that lifestyle. And it's about them living together in the 70s and sort of their relationship and how it evolves and devolves and goes crazy. And that's, that's my book. I, I know somebody listening to this is that's right in their wheelhouse. Like a, a couple people for sure. I, I guarantee. Hope so. so what's, uh, <laughs> what is it? You haven't said what it's called. Oh, sorry. It's, uh, it's just called Charlie. The main character is Charlie Lucan, and uh, so the story, it's called Charlie by Joe Humphrey. It's uh, it's on Amazon. It's just a it's a Kindle book, or you can buy the printed version. And yeah, it's uh, part of what I was calling the bloodletting series. But uh, I don't know if I'm gonna keep up with that or not. But I might just release books just as titles because I don't know if the series thing is what I want to do. But I'm working on the second one now, and it's gonna be a. Uh, uh, Jack the Ripper era story and it's in that same world but different time different characters nice I can't speak to the quality of your writing as I haven't read it but what I can speak to is the quality of your art I was so blown away Thank and you. happy with the piece you did for me so anybody out there if you need not just like if you need like commissioned art for something super reasonable rates great style fast everything this is this is your guy but on top of that let's say you don't need anything specific just go and look through his store at the prints and stuff i got two prints from him i got one of the crow because it's my favorite movie and it's very cool and one of dr steve brule which every time i look at it <laughs> makes me fucking laugh it's such a good piece it's such a good piece well thank you so where can um, people find you not only like well yeah give me your website and your twitter and all of that so people can find you just in general and then also if you need a if you need some art go buy this man's art <laughs> i'm at uh, joehumphrey.com is sort of my hub where i got links to everything um j o e h u m p h r e y.com and then i'm also uh mr joe humphrey on twitter and instagram is Actually, you have to look because I don't remember. Joe Humphrey Art. So if you go to any of those places, you should be able to find links to my store, links to my galleries and that kind of thing. Do that, people. And go I do primarily out. portraits. That's sort of my, my, my main gig is portrait art. So if you're looking for a portrait to be done, I'm, I'm the guy to do it. Absolutely. And I really liked working on your, your, your piece. I thought that was a really fun one. Well, and I had told something you... different than what I usually do. I had told you long ago when I first saw your stuff, I told you at the time, I was like, if I ever get around to getting real art for this podcast instead of this bullshit clip art that I threw together when I wasn't sure how long I was even going to do the show for, you're going to be my guy. And I kept that promise because every time you put a piece up, I'm like, fuck, that's so good. That's so good. But even <laughs> I, I still thought to myself, I was like, because I had a very specific idea in my head of like, this is what I want this thing to look like. And I don't know if, you never know if someone can replicate the thing that's in your brain. And you mm -hmm. did. You 100% did. Oh, uh, it's exactly so what I pictured. I'm sure everybody's seen I'm it by so now, glad. but 
yeah, it's just great. It's gorgeous. I love it. I'm glad that it's the face of the show now. And um, yeah, go check out his stuff, everybody. Thank you for being here, sir. I always forget my stuff. I am at Heath Lambert 78 on Twitter. The show is That's So Random P2. The show has an email address, that's a random pod at gmail.com. If you have questions, complaints, concerns, things of that nature. No Instagram for the show. The Instagram is just for my baby now. Yeah, thank you again for being here and doing the show, for the artwork. Thank you for having me. Oh, God, I forgot one of the most important parts. It's that part of the show where I push the magic button and find out what my movie for next week is. Uh-oh. Next week's movie is pressing the magic button now. Irreversible. Oh, can you imagine? I don't know. Who would I ask to watch that with me? <laughs> I mean, that's a movie I like. I would come back for that one. That's not a movie that I would inflict on that's... people necessarily. Um, I like it once. No, I'm afraid not irreversible. Next week's movie is Tabernacle 101. It is on Prime Video and Tubi. It is from 2019. So not very old. Looks like it's an Australian horror movie from two years ago on Prime and Tubi. That's your homework. That looks kind of cool. I bet you it's not. <laughs> if it's on Tubi, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put money on it. Fair enough. But well, I guess we'll find out next time. Yeah. So Tabernacle 101 from 2019 wow. on Prime Video and Tubi. That is everyone's homework. Should they choose to accept it? Thanks to Joe. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.